TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. Now it's one and two. And the pitch. Fly ball, center field and deep. Back goes Tottenham on the warning track. Leaps up. Did he make the catch? He did. What a play. Tuckman took a home run away from Burleson. Cubs win the ball game. A fantastic catch by Mike Tuckman. Jumping up, putting his glove over the top of the center field fence and pulling it back. What a finish. This ball is a straightaway center. Tockman's glove goes over the wall into the grassy Nolan straightaway center, pulls the ball back <laughs> to end the game here at Bush Stadium. Wow. What a call. Coom with the grassy Knoll reference. Pat Hughes with the Hall of Fame call. Michael Tockman saves the Cubs game against the St. Louis Cardinals. 3-2 to two victory. Michael Tockman does it again. Does it again because he's done that before, which is remarkable when you think about it. Yes, it was familiar. Michael Tockman becomes only the, the only major league player, Bruce, according to Opta Stats in the last 30 years, to rob a potential walk-off home run with two outs in the ninth inning twice in his career. The first time, May 29, 2021, when he was a member of the San Francisco Giants and Albert Pujols hit a home run that was taken away from him by Tockman. What a night. What a call. What a game. We have to ask uh, Coom if there was one hitter or two on that grassy knoll. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It is. Yeah. What, a, what a great call by the Hall of Famer, Pat Hughes, who refuses to sit on his laurels going into the Hall of Fame last week as one of the top broadcasters all time in the history of Major League Baseball and, uh, and, and just pulls out another fantastic call along with Coombe and Zach uh, doing the great broadcast on the score like they do every night. Just unbelievable. As, as great a performance as it was for Talkman, Pat uh, was right there with a great call as well. No doubt about it. You've got to love it if you're a Cub fan. Two nights in a row, you're looking at the St. Louis, Louis Cardinals and the Cardinals fans, the greatest fans in baseball, and the Cardinal way unraveling in front of you, first with Miles Michaelis on Thursday night, pulling that kind of absurdity and doing what he did to hit Ian Happ and get ejected from that game and suspended for five games. And then last night, after really getting out to you know a 2 nothing lead, 
Newt Barr put them in front with two solo home runs. The Cubs come clawing back, get the defense in the ninth inning, first with the double play, which was textbook, which was terrific, which is the definition of run prevention. And then Michael Tachman providing right. the heroics with the conspiracy to beat the Cubs, robbing the, the, the home run out of the grassy knoll. So, David, I, I have a question for you. Is there more joy in Cubville with a bad St. Louis Cardinal team this year or a bad Chicago White Sox team? <laughs> that is the show question the rest of the way at 312-644-6767. Whose pain do you enjoy more as a Cub fan? Uh, Cub, uh, White Sox nation or the Cardinal nation as to what's going on with their teams? Because... This has been a historically bad year for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, you know, everybody admires the Cardinals and the Cardinals' way and how they've stayed competitive uh, for uh, m- most of the last two and a half decades uh, since Tony La Russa, uh, arrived there in the middle of the 1990s. Uh, and this year... It's just, you know, okay, the it's Cubs just, are yeah. have been a middling team. They're a better team now. They're playing very well now. But a disaster in St. Louis, disaster on the south side. And you want to hear just how disastrous it must feel to watch this happen in St. Louis from the Cardinal perspective. This is how the same play sounded on the Bally Sports Midwest call last night. That's a shame. That's a shame. Nice job, Chip Carey. Good excitement. Not quite the Hall of Fame level that Pat Hughes provided, but close. Nice. What a shame there. Cardinals reeling and probably unloading. Jack Flaherty, as he pitched his last game in a Cardinal uniform. Who else will be leaving town? All those questions for the St. Louis Cardinals to ponder. Meanwhile, the Cubs, what will they add? Who will they put into the mix? Is Jamer Candelario going to be coming to Chicago to be in the middle of the Cubs order. Bruce, I want to ask about that real quick. Candelario, number one, I don't know what how realistic it is to expect him, but did you see he left the game with a little bit of, of an injury after his shoulder sliding into second base, legging out a double, looked like he might have been a little bit hurt. Do we know anything about his health status before we start to fantasize about how he looks hitting behind belly? Uh, I, I do not. I, I, I just can tell you that it was a conversation with many of the scouts that were in town this week watching the Cubs and White Sox. And uh, it was it was a potpourri of um, 15 to 20 different scouts uh, watching Lynn and Stroman pitch the other night at a guaranteed rate. And, uh, and Candelario's name came up because uh, that was one of the top names that was said to be getting traded for sure at the deadline here and why not uh, Washington is going to want you know a young position player a young uh, a young pitcher back for Candelario and it makes sense and he can help somebody because he can really hit uh, but um, I guess my point is is that um, the dialogue has changed so drastically uh, on the north side at least among the fan base and the media for the Cubs over the last week if you look at their schedule here, David, and your Hoyer and your Hawkins, you go, 
all right, they did everything they needed to do to push us to the point where we, we need to add. But after the Cardinal game, after these two Cardinal games, we have games with Cincinnati. We have games with Atlanta, the next seven games. Uh, are we right back where we were a week before this being a sub-500 team? And are we kicking ourselves in the butt for adding when we should have really gone through with what we thought we should do, and that is trade Bellinger and trade Stroman? I understand the exercise and the reason you'd ask that question. But given the state of affairs and the context of the, of the seven-game winning streak and winning nine out of ten, I would, I would reject the question. And I would think you're asking the wrong one if you are asking that and you're the Cubs. I think that you – it's sports, Bruce. The, the tendency is, yeah, you're going to get carried away and sometimes let emotions rule and your, your heart's going to outshout your head. And maybe this is one of those examples. In retrospect, maybe we'll look back. But I've got to look at what the Cubs have done. And I've got to, got to look at what they are capable of doing moving forward. You've got three starters. If Marcus Stroman can rediscover what worked the first part, the better part of this season, you've got Stroman, Steele, and Hendricks. You've got three starters that should make it possible for you to avoid losing streaks, to go into a, a stretch against the Reds and the Braves, two good teams, and not have to scuffle. That Maybe you can win more than you lose. Jamison Tyone's starting to figure it out. Maybe you add a fifth starter. Maybe it's not Hayden Wisniewski, but it's somebody out there that you trade for, and you keep this team intact, and you give them a chance. You do what competitors want you to do. Give them a chance to finish what they started in yeah. this resurgence. I, I, that's what there's I would an, do. There's, there's an old saying in baseball, David, and that is if you're in the front office or you're a manager, you start thinking like the fans, you're going to end up sitting with them. Okay. And, and that, that may be the case here, too. Look, won't we, on, on inside the clubhouse in uh, the first week of November when teams are starting to put their clubs back together for 2024, won't we, won't we be the first ones to say, gee, you know, you know, Hoyer and Hawkins had a chance to get something for Stroman before he walked away in free agency here. They had something, they had a chance to get, something for two things for Bellinger when he decided to uh, turn down uh, the option on his contract. Uh, will we be the, those guys in November saying the opposite of what we're saying right now? That's a good question. We're always going to have the benefit of hindsight, but I just, and you're right. What I'm describing is probably thinking more like a fan than an, any executive can afford which is think, great. But... It's great in its way. It really is because the idea is to win and to satisfy your fan base and to bring them back for more, you know, promising more winning next year. Um, you know, as front office people, you you kind of have to weigh it. And and it, I don't I don't in this case for the first time in many years, I don't think you can be wrong doing either one. Well, the one thing I want you to weigh in on, Bruce, before we get to the phone lines, is that what role does the last two Julys play in the thought process now? Because you're in Chicago. It's a big market team. I've said that daily on the Mullion Haw Show about reminding the Cubs and urging the Cubs to act like one. Right. And I do wonder, do the last two Julys, the sell-offs of 2021 and 2022, have any, have any role or in 
factor now in their thought process? Well, um, what do they have to show for it on the major league team right now? And is this the, a year too early to really evaluate that you did a really great job trading off those guys? I, I, I think if I'm, if I'm sitting in Hoyer's seat, I'm going, gosh, I wish this was 2024, and I, I wish we had Armstrong playing every day for us in center field. And, and I wish... You know, we could look at Bellinger as a first baseman all the time in the future, and we could offer him a, a six-year, $200 million contract. You know, yeah, I, I, maybe. But I'm also yeah. thinking I want them to ride the Palatine Pounder as far as they can go. I want them to get as much out of Michael Talkman as they can. I want them to ride the Bellinger <laughs> right now. You know, Cody Bellinger, over his last 29 games, Bruce, is on fire. This is a guy who has – Eight home runs, 24 runs batted in, and hitting 418. Take advantage of that now because he might not be hot in a month. Yeah. I, I, I... But what, why was he brought in, David? And what type of, type of contract was he given, okay? It wasn't a five-year deal that they gave him, okay? They gave the five-year deal to the pitcher, okay? They brought in a pitcher and they gave him a five-year deal. They may or may not like that or regret that going down the line here. Uh, we're, we're not sure about, you know, whether that's going to work out. But in, in, the, in this case, and in the case of Mancini, and in the case of Hosmer, and in the case of looking at the possibility of, um, you know, the young first baseman making it uh, this year, there, there's, a, there's a tremendous amount of uh, indecision and disappointment uh, as to, well, how far do we go with this? Should, we'll, we'll go... We'll, we'll, te- we'll, we'll put our foot in the water, but we're not immersing our full body in there. Score listener lines powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Bruce, those are great points. We have some callers who want to make some other points. Owen is in Willowbrook. Welcome, welcome inside the clubhouse. Hi, guys. Uh, as you know, I'm a former lifelong White Sox fan, and I hate to say this, my father would be rolling over in his grave, but the Cubs are fu- fun to watch. And leave it to the Sox to get the Cubs hot. Another another uh, credit that I give to Han. Um, but what I really want to talk about is Dylan Cease. And th- you can call this a total rebuild, but until Han is gone and Williams is gone, I don't consider it a total rebuild. But if they really want to do something, I think Han should be on the table. And my and my point, I'm not Han. I think uh, Cease should be on the table because he's. He's desperately wanted, especially by the Astros and other teams. And you can get a boatload for him. But if you're a smart GM, you can tie Mankata into that, dump that salary of $25 million next year, and then the, the next year he's got a, they can buy him out for $5 million. You can You could add by subtra- subtraction and package those two together. And if I, don't, I don't give Han enough credit to do something like that, but that, in my mind, would be a good move. Thanks, Owen. Appreciate the phone call. Bruce, I don't think the Yohan Moncada contract is tradable. And as, as we mentioned, the White Sox pieces who might be on the move. Let me follow up with that. You did mention earlier this week, if I'm not mistaken, um, Eloy Jimenez. And I asked about him mm-hmm. earlier. Anything new on that front? Well, just that the, the Brewers and the, the Marlins are both uh, been kicking the tires on trying to acquire Jimenez and seeing what that's like, having scouts watch him. Uh, you know, the, the the sad part of the Jimenez story is always how long is he going to stay healthy this time? Okay, when is he going to break down? Can we predict 
that we'll get the last 60 games out of him as our DH. Will he, with his potent bat, like there, there's, there's no question that Eloy Jimenez is a force as far as a hitter in Major League Baseball. The rest is all how many games are we going to get out of him and uh, whether the contract is worth it going forward and giving up what the White Sox are going to want in return for him, which is going to be significant. They're not handing Eloy Jimenez away to anybody right now at the trading deadline without somebody overpaying. Go back to the phone lines. Bob is in Arlington Heights. Bob, welcome inside the clubhouse. How are you? Hello, Bob. Sean, let's get Bob on the phone. There we go. Hey, hey. Bob. Good morning. Uh, happy this morning. I just told Sean, I'm hoping down the road we don't look at Pockman's catch last night as a mixed blessing because we were that catch away from waking up this morning and realizing, you know what, we really are a feast or famine offense. And so I hope, I don't, I don't remember whether it was you or Bruce who touched on the possibility of being both a buyer and a seller by Tuesday, but I think we will, I hope they will be both buyers and sellers. My suggestion is try to package a deal, maybe put Stroman and Mandrigal together with the Cardinals and see if you can get Arenado and have him play third base for the rest of the year. The package, you know, the core is there, but they got to get a power hitter. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate the phone call. That's not going to happen. The Cardinals are not going to trade Arenado to the Cubs. It may trade him to the Dodgers, but I just don't see that being realistic, Bruce. And as for the feast or famine offense, I get it because they scored three runs last night. But before that, they after Thursday, they had scored seven runs in five straight games, the longest single-season streak they had had since 1940. Yeah. Well, I mean, they haven't been playing good teams, but give them credit for beating up the teams that they have to beat. Uh, you can't take that away from them. They're still major league teams, and they've done it. I just uh, strength of schedule is something that I think uh, general managers and uh, presidents of teams look at. Uh, I think the schedule coming up here is a little bit more daunting with Cincinnati. Um, uh, David, they have 59 games left. Only a third of those games are in their division. Okay, they play Cincinnati seven times, Pittsburgh seven times. Uh, Milwaukee six times. Milwaukee, the last three games of the season. Uh, I'm hoping for Cub fans that those are three really meaningful games for uh, for the Cubs, Cubs and their fan base uh, go up there uh, at uh, their ballpark. But but from from the perspective here is, I really think you you know the Cubs have a very favorable schedule if you look at it from a general point of view. Uh, going into the second half. I wonder how much that weighs in on uh, on Hoyer when he makes these decisions here. Let's squeeze in one more phone call before we break. Mike, our friend, is in Glencoe. Good morning, Mike. Welcome inside the clubhouse. Good morning, fellas. And I have a question that, that David, actually, you raised on your show earlier this week, and it really relates to the question of whether the Sox have any real awareness of the of how angry their fan base is about this team. And I have to tell you, and I mean nothing personal about this, but Rick Hahn continues to, he's following in Kenny Williams' footsteps in terms of just being unintentionally and certainly unnecessarily antagonistic with the fan base. 
that sound clip you gave, you just you can't be a responsible executive of big business and speak like that to your consumer. Um, and until he realizes, and maybe he does, that the Sox fans don't really care about selling off these fringe pieces. They do care about breaking up the problem with the team culture, which is the core guys who haven't produced. Bruce, I know you're fond of these, uh, Mr. Williams and Mr. Hahn. Do they get it? Do they get how close they are to burning many bridges with Sox fans? Thanks, Mike. Uh, Appreciate the phone call and your input, Bruce. He's yeah, referencing... I don't, I don't... I don't, th- I don't think my uh, judgment's ever colored by the fact that I like an awful lot of people in baseball and, and Rick and Kenny as well. I don't think that has anything to do with the fact that they have to be judged here just as harshly as any, anyone else on teams that have failed, just like in St. Louis uh, this year and the Mets this year. <clears throat> Those front office executives have to come under scrutiny because at the end of the day, they're the ones that put those teams together. The failures of this Chicago White Sox team is now firmly entrenched, not necessarily on Han and Williams, but the, the reality for Han and Williams and everybody else that the team they put together is not a championship caliber team. It just right. isn't. There's two years worth and uh, four managers down the line from Ventura to uh, Renteria to uh, La Russa and now to Grafal proving the fact that it's not necessarily in the dugout, it's the players themselves who have not been able to um, get to the level that they uh, that they think they're at. What I'm seeing right now and possibility is that they don't trade any of the position players off of the roster is them still believing that they have enough in the way of quality for their lineup and their position players to compete down the line with different uh, with a different pitching staff and the frustration is palpable and Mike's referring to the question I asked the other day during the Cub Sox series is I wonder if this is one of those years where Cub fans don't quite hate the White Sox as much as White Sox fans hate the White Sox it's been that kind of year yeah but I mean, look, David we, we live in a world where it's got to be somebody's fault right well, accountability is is obviously what we're talking yeah. about here. And and I think Mike's asking about the accountability of a regime that's now presided over a lot of losing and the 21 games under 500 for a team that was expected to contend uh, for a winnable in a winnable division. So I think right. that's the the disparity and that's why I think you wonder what is next and all of these moves are they leading toward a, a bigger move big picture wise in the front office in the off season? We'll continue to talk about that. We'll continue to monitor that. And when we come back, we'll continue to talk about one of the bigger moves they still could make before Tuesday's 5 p.m. trade deadline. Will they move their best pitcher? We'll talk about it next. It's Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Who should stay? Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, and who should go? Should I stay or should I go now? With Bruce Levine and David Haw on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Not really. I mean, um, you know, I haven't had any conversations with them or anything, and I really only see what everyone else sees, so I'm just showing up and um, doing my best to prepare and, and play. You know, I'm, I feel really grateful for, to even just be a big leaguer, so um, I'm just taking it a day at a time. Would you want them to let you know if you were, if there were things going on? Or? Um, I, I mean, it, it really, at the end of the day, it's just my job to go perform. You know, it's they have their job, I have my job, um, and it's really, no, nah, it wouldn't really be necessary. I'm, I'm treating everything the same anyways. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. That was the voice of Dylan Cease addressing trade rumors, addressing his state of mind. He is the number one pitcher on the White Sox. He is probably the player that teams ask about the quickest when they call Rick Hahn or Kenny Williams about who's available. Bruce, what do you think? You were there talking to Dylan Cease. Where's his head at and what is his future? Well, I think he's just uh, in the fog where all the White Sox players are right now of not knowing, uh, not not feeling secure about being a White Sox player in the future, not feeling secure about what the clubhouse and what the team's going to look like in the future. It's it's a dazed and confused is what's going on in the White Sox clubhouse right now. And and uh, you More know than that's, usual. And it's not one person's fault. It's just. Collectively, that's where they're at right now. It's a, it's an incomplete situation going forward. We, we probably won't know much about this team uh, collectively until uh, the beginning of spring training uh, in 2024. So uh, from that perspective, he's thinking, well, I just lost two of my best friends here, and, and, and Giolito and Lopez were, were two of the guys that he was the tightest with, uh, Giolito for sure, and it's like, they're going off to fight for a pennant somewhere. Deep down, it's like, gee, uh, I don't want to leave the White Sox, but, boy, their whole lives have just changed. They're going to organizations where they have a chance to win right now. And I'm, I'm stuck right here right now in a limbo of what my future and my team's future is at this present moment. And we should mention that Bob Nightingale, who is plugged into all things White Sox, tweeted out this morning that teams continue to ask about Dylan Cease, as well as Aaron Bummer, the left-handed reliever. And yet, he says, according to Bob Nightingale, the Sox are keeping them, meaning Cease and Bummer. Bummer surprised you, Bruce, because he's somebody that might have some value as well as a left-handed back-of-the-end-of-the-bullpen option. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, he has much more value on the north side right now than he does on the south side. The the the, the Cubs are in in real real need. Look, if the Cubs are going to get moved forward, we haven't talked about this. As I segue from C's for a second, David, uh, they're going to need two bullpen pitchers and a bat in the lineup to uh, make a big push toward the playoffs. If they're 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 not, they're not just going to stand still and uh, and do nothing, I I believe so. Uh, Bummer would be the perfect guy to go to the north side and help from the left side where the, the Cubs are in, in need of a, a quality left-handed pitcher out of the bullpen. But, um, yeah, it surprises me a little bit. Uh, Cease doesn't surprise me, okay, uh, that they're not going to trade him because of the fact that you have two more years of contract control on Dylan Cease after this year. So, other teams are going, man, we can trade our number one uh, our number one farm system player and number four and a player off of our roster for Dylan Cease. Uh, but uh, what we can't do is um, we can't give them up for less than that. The Cubs uh, can, or the White Sox can still trade him with two years of contract control left to another team in the offseason and get just as much or maybe more. So I don't see where they feel the need to trade Dylan Cease at this point in time. Following up on Lucas Giolito news, he was traded to the Los Angeles Angels along with Ronaldo Lopez for minor league prospects Edgar Caro and left-handed pitcher Kai Bush. Lucas Giolito started his first game Friday night for the Angels in a loss to the Toronto Blue Jays 4-1. to Giolito went five and a third innings, gave up six hits, three earned runs, two home runs to Danny Jansen and Matt Chapman. So not the start that Lucas Giolito wanted to for his new team. And it was an emotional goodbye, Bruce. He was traded late in the night, and he came back the next day, showed the class that he has always embodied and exhibited as a White Sox pitcher. Grew up here, as he said. Tough guy to see walk out the door. It was inevitable, but when he did walk out that door, it was symbolic that this is the end of this phase of White Sox uh, trying to win with this, you know, this current uh, mix of players and this plan. It failed, and now Lucas Giolito moves on, and the Sox purge yeah. continues. He's not coming back, okay, as a free agent. I, I just I don't get the vibe on either side that uh, he's coming back, and and I I will preface it by saying I think there is great. Uh, loyalty and care for both the White Sox front office feelings for Giolito and Giolito for the franchise and the fans. I think there's real care on both sides, but it, it's it's time to move on for both. And uh, I, I don't think you'll see him back in a White Sox uniform uh, as a free agent signing here uh, in, in the offseason. It's always the, the question we ask. It's you know, it's become my my staple. The last question: uh, Would you consider coming back? And someone said to Chicago, and he said, "Yeah, sure. I, you know, I'm not cutting my thoughts." And then when I said, "Yeah, but on what side of the of Chicago would you come back?" And he said, "I'm not commenting on that right now. Okay, no no comment Good for him. on that. Yeah. So uh, that would be- so leaving all his options open, but." The, you know, the, the reality is is that you're right, David. You, you have sized it up exactly correctly, and that is there was a lot of emotion for uh, Lucas Giolito leaving that clubhouse. 
even to the point where before he talked to us in the media, and this was the day after he was traded, uh, clearing out his locker, and he had to catch a flight, so he was ready to pitch Friday uh, to uh, to uh, join the uh, the uh, Angels. Um, he said, uncharacteristically to us media people standing around, I just don't think I have the time to talk to you right now because I have to catch my flight. And as you said, in typical Giolito style, he goes, well, yeah, I got to do this. So he, he talked to us and, and said goodbye to uh, the White Sox fans the way that he wanted to. So if they're not trading Cease and they're holding on to Bummer, the next pitcher who could get some attention and might be out the door is Keenan Middleton, who's had a pretty good year yeah. for the White Sox, and he will command a lot of interest, maybe even yeah. from the Cubs. But, Bruce, I really think this. They've traded five pitchers. They might trade a sixth. Well, you're going to see – but what about the core? That's been yeah. the most disappointing aspect well, because – when you talk about the identity of the Sox, you're not necessarily talking about pitchers. You're talking about the players who have underachieved. Not everybody's having the breakout year like Jake Berger hitting 25 home runs. There's been too many disappointing years like Tim Anderson's and others. Do you think that will be the real sign yeah. of change when they start to move somebody like well, that? If you notice in, uh, in Bob Nightingale's tweet uh, from his information from whatever front office person he talked to with the White Sox, uh, he didn't mention Tim Anderson. Okay. All he mentioned was, here's what they're not doing. They're not going to trade Cease. They're not going to trade Bummer. Great. So we know uh, Middleton might be traded, and that's it. Okay. That's a sign not to us or the fan base, but it's to other general managers out there that we will trade Middleton. Good. Good news. Fine. Great. Nothing about Tim Anderson. So my question to you, David, is, Tim Anderson having, you know, by far the worst year of his career and the, and the two worst years of his career, both injury-prone uh, years last year and this year, um, can you get enough back for Tim Anderson to make it worthwhile to move him by the trading deadline? Is somebody going to pay you what Tim Anderson is worth in the future uh, right now, knowing that uh, he hasn't been close to the player that he's been in the past. That would be the focus of my objective and my conversations until Tuesday at 5. I think Tim Anderson has had a resurgent start to the, the second portion of the season, the post-All-Star break period, where he does look like the hitter who has rediscovered something. He does look like the guy who could be a catalyst for the right, right. team and would benefit from a change of scenery. So, Bruce, I would do that because – I don't know if you can bring back this same core. You've got to uh, – you, you've started to trade pitchers, but you, you have players who are responsible, position players who are responsible for this sort of lull that you find yourself in, underachieving all season long. So, yeah, I'd be open for business, no doubt about it. Yeah. See, the perception out there by some of the scouts I talked to is, you know what, our club, uh, our general manager is interested in Anderson, but – they think he's a second baseman. Okay. Okay. We want him as a second baseman. Uh, will Will Tim Anderson in this day and age, and this I think it's important. Will Tim Anderson be open to that going somewhere else? We talk more these days about athletes wanting to play a position rather than being told to play the position that the team wants them to play. Uh, it's it seems to be more important now that the player is accepting of a role in a new position 
like Anderson, and um, the ability for a general manager to figure that out right now might be difficult. Before we break, Bruce, let's get to the phone lines again. The score listener line powered by BetQL, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books. Ron is on the south side. Sox fan Ron, how's it going this morning? Hey, guys. Well, you know what? I, that's the point I've been raising on every show for the last, I know, consistently four weeks. The core. You, Bruce, you said maybe they think they can bring in some pitching and be ready for next year. Well, then they're deluding themselves. The manager said the strength of the team going into the season was going to be pitching because it looked like they – but the, their failure is not mainly because of the – I don't understand that people don't see that the quote-unquote core, Tim, Ed, um, Tim Anderson, uh, Eloy, Yoan Moncada, yeah, Eloy is getting hot now, but – that is where the problem is, guys. So you're going to just get rid of these pitchers and bring that go- – and, and, and lastly, the manager said he'll be looking for some leadership. So amongst those guys, at this point in their career, there is no leadership. They're not playing at their best ability until they get rid of those position players. I'm no, I'm not – Interested in the White Sox at, at, at all. Wow. When you lose Ron, Bruce, thanks for the phone call, Ron. Hard I'm to not lose sure Ron. You, it's hard you, to lose Ron. A, if if hard Rodney lose Ron. or Ron are not on your side, it's, it, it, that's, that's, a, that's a tough look. Bruce, quickly before we break, can Yoan Moncada and Jake Berger exist in the same infield if you are the White Sox? Yeah, if you play – if you play Berger at third and Moncada at second. That's okay. the play, right? It has to be the play. And, and I asked Moncada that question um, f- three days ago, and he said, wherever they want me to play, that's where I'll play. Okay, if that's the case, and, and I can hear, you know, Han and Williams driving off the road right now going, he's got a bad back, you idiot. We can barely get him out there. He missed so much time this year. All we can do is play him at third base right now. He wasn't a, a real good second baseman. We found him to be an above-average third baseman. We're not moving him from there. Yeah, but you have to play Berger, and he cannot play second base. He will lose you a lot of games at second base by playing there because not for a lack of trying or a lack of him giving it his entire effort all the time, but physically – uh, not a guy after after two Achilles uh, tendon tears. Not a guy that's going to be giving you uh, any type of second base play at all. I agree, and he's got 25 home runs and 289 at bats. He has earned the right to return to the White Sox as the opening day third baseman. He is at some point. Maybe that will be a reality for for the White Sox right now. It's not. Uh, you you. The, the White Sox could apply to Major League Baseball and ask if we can have a second designated hitter in our lineup every night. Uh, and, and, you know, facetiously, I'm saying that, but the reality is they have too many guys that are DHs on the team. They're valuable players, but they're out of position. Uh, That's why you have to ma- break up the core. That's why you've got to make more players. moves. But, but the, the one thing that you, when you listen to Rodney talk, the one thing that resonates, though, David, is – Han and Williams will tell you, 
yeah, we need to trade some of these guys, but we're not going to trade them at, at their all-time low value, okay? We're not going to get back what we need for them. We're better off looking at this in the offseason. They did bring up a 36th-round draft pick from Holy Cross College, a right-handed pitcher by the name of Declan Cronin. And they, he got a $2,500 signing bonus, and they informed him at AAA, apparently while he was in the middle of a chess game with his brother. And he it was in a time chess game, and they knocked on the door, according to the tweet by Jeff Passan. And he said, well, I could answer this. And, yes, he did, but he couldn't tell his manager, well, you know, I'm in the middle of something right now. So good for Declan Cronin, the kind of <laughs> stories and the kind of guys that they're going to be bringing up for the rest of the season. But that's a nice little fun story in a season that doesn't have many of them for the White Sox. Absolutely. We'll take a break and come right back and close it out and lead us up to our good friend Steve Rosenblum. Yes, and we will talk about the best player in baseball who did something special this week. We need to bring more attention to it. And also, Bruce might have a little information on that guy. Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. Full count pitch. Got him swinging. Eight for Otani this afternoon. This would be the first complete game shutout, and there it is. Shohei Otani goes all nine. Some clapping for Shohei, who goes to the opposite field. Get going, yeah! His major league leading 37th. Oh, Oh, he got another one. Get going. Otani has done it again. Santa Maria. Complete game shutout. Check. Two homers in the nightcap. Check. Thank you to Bally Sports West. Wow. Shohei Otani, welcome back inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 and score. Wow, Bruce. A one-hitter in the opening game of a doubleheader against the Tigers. Two home runs in the nightcap. That's a day. That's historically a day that Shohei Otani will never forget. How about that? Yeah. A great call by Matt Discursion on uh, on those uh, historical moments that this guy's putting up. And uh, in our last moments here, David, we have uh, the ability to tell people that uh, the Chicago Cubs will be among the players for Shohei Otani when he turns free agent in November. I don't think. Don't tease me, Bruce. Any, I don't think it's any shocking news. I don't think it's any breaking news. I just think it's appropriate news that a big market team like the Chicago Cubs are going to be interested in the Shohei Otani market going forward, according to industry sources, this fall. So, again, this isn't anything earth-shattering other than the fact that I do have knowledge that Cubs want to continue to be the Chicago Cubs. They want to be world champions in the future, and Otani's tires will be kicked by the organization i'll spend at least a day a week until free agency reminding people that he's two players in one and going 60 million dollars per season might not be ridiculous i'll spend as much time as you want as much time as we have every saturday morning between 9 and 11 justifying the 500 million dollar investment that it might take to get otani on his next team you're you're light you're light david Uh, are you telling me okay 600 are you telling me the cubs are willing david you're like well okay Price to be named later, over $600 million. 
you get my gist, Bruce. It's going to be a big, huge, major investment. You're telling me that Tom Ricketts is willing to entertain the size of investment necessary to get Shohei Otani in a Cub uniform. Yes or no? I, I, I'm telling you that uh, I, Tom Ricketts hasn't told me this, but I can tell you that the organization is committed to being out there and getting the best players possible. And do the Cubs have the type of resources to be able to sign Otani? Yes, they do. Okay. I just heard yes. That's all I heard, Bruce. That's all. That's, I don't, all, that's fine. No, that's fine. I heard nothing I, else I but yes. I don't think uh, the organization, from what I understand, will not back away from it. But I think it's going to be between six and $700 million to sign Otani for 10 years. I really do. Because just for the reason that you explained, David, he's a $30 million a year pitcher and he's a $30 million a year player all at the same time. You add that together, that's 60 to $70 million a year times 10. That's what you're getting. You're getting an outstanding starting pitcher. You're getting uh, maybe the most impact uh, left-handed bat in the game right now. And that's going to be the price of poker in November for Shohei Otani. And they pinch it for him on Friday night with the game still in question and runners on base. Apparently, he had some soreness and maybe some some issues that related to, you know, well, hey, your back would hurt too if you carried a franchise as long as he has carried the Angels. <laughs> it's a great line. But look, why wouldn't the Cubs be involved well, in it? Uh, give me a reason why they wouldn't be. I can't, Bruce, because I do think it makes sense. Now, look, the Dodgers, the Mariners, the Yankees, you could all make arguments that might be stronger than what the Cubs can make, but you do have a friend and teammate, say a Suzuki in right field. You do have that connection with Shohei Otani that might matter. They they do play in Chicago. It is a big market on an, on a, their own TV network. These things don't aren't insignificant. The international marketing opportunities for him exist in Chicago. You could make the case, a strong one for the Cubs. It won't be easy. I'm just glad to hear that it's possible. It might be possible to at least get in the mix. This is a case where the player will decide, obviously, where he's going to go. He will have opportunities, I think, in all those places that you named, right? So whether he decides to take $600 million from the Yankees, Mariners, Mets, Dodgers, Angels, Cubs, uh, it, it, it's – it's not relevant of them saying, gee, do we have the money? They will have the money for Otani. The question is where Otani wants to play beginning in 2024. Great piece of information there, Bruce. Cubs will consider getting into the Shohei Otani sweepstakes during free agency. That's a nice little nugget to end our show with, Bruce. Thank you for doing everything you did to set the show up today. It's a lot of fun. David, it's always a pleasure with you. It's always a great time. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine and on our website at 670thescore.com where I write about the trading deadline and things that are happening right now. Sean Sears, great job. Jim Deshays, thank you for joining us. David, I will talk to you next Saturday. Thanks, Bruce. Steve Rosenblum is next with Mark Grody, Scott Merkin, and another guy from North Judson, Indiana, Evan Altman. He will be on with Rosie. Stay tuned right here on The Score. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Jim DeShays. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, Sean. It's been a lot of fun. It's Inside the Clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.